And I said, hey, John, what's up? You guys need a girl on the team. Like, come on, what's going on? There was no girl. The team had been around for a long time. And he said, you know, we do need a girl on the team. And and you're one of the people we're considering. He said, all right, let's get you on a couple jobs and see how it goes. So for a couple of years, they started hiring me on and off for different jobs where if they kind of need an extra person or just to test me out. And after a couple of years, John called me and offered me a contract. I was in the airport. I was in LAX, I remember. And I was coming home from a big trip and I just like, I couldn't believe it. It was just such an amazing, amazing feeling that offer. Today, we've got the epitome of a cool gig and career journey for you. The very accomplished skydiving professional, Amy Schmielecki, joining me for this episode of Bucket List Careers. Welcome back. I'm Krista Laurie. Recurring theme throughout my conversation with her, she kept saying, I still can't believe I'm getting paid for this. It wasn't always an easy road. She's a New Yorker who moved to Arizona to follow this childhood dream. Amy lived in a mobile home for years, did odd jobs. She just wasn't always financially stable. But fast forward to five world, 10 national titles, 20 world records, various sponsorships, a true pioneer for female skydivers. This woman has no fear. Well, maybe a little in the beginning. She says she did, but definitely she has no regrets. Let's listen. Amy, thanks so much for taking the time with me today. You have been one of the tougher guests to nail down, I realize, because you're not indoors very much <laughs> or on the ground. <laughs> so it's good to have you on the show. Let's start right in with how cool skydiving is. It's very clear. It's an extraordinary gig. How you got there will definitely be a cool story to unpack. So let's start with when you knew you wanted to be a skydiver. And at what point were you thinking about it even as a career? I started skydiving when I was 18. I had been dreaming about it before from a very young age. I think 14 is when I started dreaming about it. I didn't realize that I could be a skydiver. Like you could, it was something you could do until I went to a skydiving facility when I was 18 and I saw the scene And once I realized it was something that you could actually do, I I never looked back. It became part of my life from that point on. I never really thought it would be my career in those early days. It was just something I really loved and wanted to do as much as possible, but I didn't think it was possible to actually make a living off of it. That happened slowly in time. Right. That kind of evolved. And I have to tell you, I've never done it before. When I was younger, I didn't have a fear of heights, but now I sort of do. I realize I should have done it at a much younger age. But how did you manage the fear? Or did that just never exist for you? It did. I did have fear in the beginning. And I still do have fear. It's become easier for me to manage yeah. with all the practice that I have. But in the beginning, I remember thinking, uh, driving up to the skydiving facility and kind of hoping the weather would be bad or like like that I would have an excuse because <laughs> I, I was I was scared. My very first jump I wasn't because I was very naive. I didn't think that things could go wrong. And once I learned about the sport and I realized like, woof, this is jumping out of a plane. It's not a roller coaster. Then I, I started to be afraid. But the risk was very much worth the reward for me. So that just was always my drive. 
Well, after college, it seemed like you had a pivotal moment when you moved out west to Arizona to spend more time learning about the sport, you told me. You did that with your very close friend at the time, Jeff Provenzano, who has been your skydiving bestie and longtime teammate. We're actually, as you and I discussed, we're going to have Jeff on the show as well, because I feel like he'll be a really great part too. He is a big part of your story. I just felt like each of you deserved your own episode. But he went with you and that seemed like it was a game changer for your career. It was, it's been great to have a buddy to kind of go through this evolution with from day one. It's rare. I don't know anyone else that has a situation like Jeff and I have. We started skydiving together when we were 18 and we started adventuring from that point. We started taking big road trips out West to discover. We both grew up in New York, so we would drive out West and kind of discover all these different skydiving facilities. And as soon as we graduated college, he and I drove out West together and relocated and moved to Arizona where we worked at Skydive Arizona. Is Arizona like the place to be for skydiving? I'm just curious. Is that a skydiving sort of hub, if you will? Definitely a skydiving hub. I think the place to be. And a lot of people will agree with me simply because we have good weather for skydiving all the time. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. So you moved out there. How was your family reacting to this? In the beginning, my family thought, oh, it's a phase. And they would kind of ask me questions like, so when are you going to get a job and have kids? And I was like, I do have a job, you know, like I'm a bartender and I do like, I'm not having kids. Sorry, mom, dad. (laughs) And they were like, oh, we really want grandkids. And eventually. (laughs) A little adjustment there for them. Just a little. (laughs) Not that you can totally have kids and and be a skydiver. A lot of people do, but it just wasn't in my It wasn't something I wanted. And eventually when they saw me kind of make these like accomplishments and start turning it into this really epic career that I have now, they're really, really proud of me. And they know that like I've really lived so far and they're proud of that. Right. And you did tell me that you had to work a lot of different types of jobs. You mentioned bartending. It was a little bit of a struggle, but now I'm just looking at your list, five world titles, 10 national titles, 20 world records. How many dives have you logged to date? I have around 19,000 skydives, give or take. I've kind of lost track over the years, but it's somewhere around 19,000. And then some thousands of hours in the tunnel as well. Like, It just sounds like an enormous commitment and a lot involved in getting to the place where you are. Congratulations on that, of course. Thank you. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine not as many people take it this far. So what do you think worked for you? How did you make this happen? I just really love skydiving. I love it so much. I feel so lucky that I get to do it and that I get to call it my career and that I'm like getting paid to hang out with these people that I really love and do travel around the world <laughs> and do all these epic skydives to the sport that I love. I mean, I can't, I can't even believe it. I feel extremely lucky. You're actually one of those people that feels truthfully you're not working a day in your life because of what you've picked. Yeah, even all the logistics that lead up to it. And there's hours and hours of office work to to plan okay. travel and the projects, but I, I enjoy it. I really, really enjoy it. 
What are some of the obstacles that you faced? I know you're also a female pioneer in skydiving, and we want to talk about the positivity of that and what you're doing now to empower young female skydivers and all that. What are some of the rocky times that you got through, and how did you navigate those? Throughout my career, there were moments where it didn't feel like things were evolving and things became static. And I thought, oh, okay, I kind of looked around at a lot of people were living good lives, but they weren't really going anywhere. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll go get a real job, which I don't really even know what that would look like, or maybe I'll move home and work for my dad's business. And I I had that thought often, but then there was always something Mm -hmm. that would happen where I'd be like, nope, I'm staying. This is too fun. Like even sometimes I would like consult my big sis and she would be like, what? Like, are you crazy? You're not going to go work for dad. Like (laughs) you love skydiving, just kind of ride it out. And I'm glad I did. How many years have you been doing it now, Amy? I'm in my 27th year. Okay, you look very, very young. (laughs) Well, I started when I was young. So that really, like, we were babies. You're wearing a Red Bull hat. You're sponsored. I know that that's a big deal. That's a milestone to get sponsored. So how does that work? How do you gain sponsorship? Generally in skydiving, most sponsorship situations are product sponsor or like service sponsors, like someone will pay you some, not pay you. It's very rare that you get some sort of economic incentive. It's usually a gear manufacturer will give you parachutes and you jump their parachutes, which is all amazing because skydiving is expensive. So if someone gives you $5,000 worth of gear, you know, and you're happy to represent them, their brand. It's, it's a great deal, especially when, when you don't have a lot of money, which a lot of skydivers that are kind of playing that game don't really have a lot of money. So sponsorships are great. Yeah. The bigger ones are more rare, but they happen. And it's generally about just hustling, like staying humble and hustling hard. And when you get knocked down, You just keep going and you keep trying and genuinely and truly enjoying the journey because there's not really like one end goal that you're like, if this happens, then I've made it. I I really don't think that works. It's just like every day getting up and skydiving and getting to do something you love, being stoked about it. That's what I think has been the key to really me being successful and the hustle. It's a working relationship. So you have to provide proper services to your sponsors, which is generally representing their company. You know, they need pictures, video, content, and and it's changed over the 27 years, right? The internet wasn't even really a thing when I started, but now obviously it's all about that. But now you've got your Red Bull hat on and yeah, you, you obviously the videos you need to show your love for the brand. That makes sense. Also, you told me you've done stunt work, which is fairly lucrative for skydivers. So that's like doubling for Hollywood actors. Who did you say you doubled for? I was in San Andreas. I was doubling for The Rock's wife in the movie. Mm-hmm. I had to dye my hair brown. It was really fun. That stunt was, for me, it was pretty easy because I was a tandem. I was basically attached to a person that was doubling as The Rock. Oh. My job was to like, hang out and just look scared, which was really easy because it was freaking scary the where we had to land. But it was so, it was so cool. <laughs> and the guy that was doubling for The Rock did an amazing, amazing job. And I was 
after a few takes, the fear went away and I actually genuinely was acting because he, he was really good. So it was cool. Everything sounds like a lot of fun. I'm still like incredibly frightened by what what you're describing. But I, I guess once you do it enough, just like anything else, it becomes just like riding a bike, right? It's not for everyone, clearly. Like you have a certain personality and you have the self-awareness and knew like, okay, this is for me. But do you also train people that are saying, I'm never going to do this and then end up diving? Well, there are different reasons I've noticed that people get into skydiving. I have taught a lot throughout my career and I noticed some people, they really just are drawn to it because they want to do something they don't think they can. Mm -hmm. Other people are doing it kind of to impress people or maybe like doing it to impress a girl or, you know, things (laughs) like that. Or there's really different reasons, but I find the people that stick around. It's just where those are the people that genuinely love flying and the idea of flying. So those are the people that really kind of stick around. And I think that's one of the most important reasons why you would want to skydive. The other reasons also have value. And I I really applaud people that just kind of want to do something they don't think they can, or just really want to face a challenge, face their fears. Bucket list, right? Yeah. The bucket list, you know, you gotta, if you think, if you think you want to try it, you got to try it. I agree with that. So tell me about being the first female member of the Red Bull Air Force. And for those who aren't even familiar with what the Red Bull Air Force does, just walk us through that. The Red Bull Air Force is an aerial sports team. We have currently eight skydivers on the team, a helicopter pilot, and two acrobatic pilots. And together, we make up the Red Bull Air Force. About seven, gosh, you know what? I think it was maybe eight years now. I got a phone call. Well, let me let me back that up. I originally called the team captain. And I said, his name's John DeVore. And I said, Hey, John, what's up? You guys need a girl on the team. Like, come on, what's going on? There was no right. girl. They, the team had been around for a long time. And he said, you know, we do need a girl on the team. And, and you're one of the people we're considering. He said, all right, let's get you on a couple jobs and see how it goes. So for a couple of years, they started hiring me on and off for different jobs where if they kind of need an extra person or just to test me out, And after a couple of years, John called me and offered me a contract. I was in the airport. I was in LAX, I remember. And I was coming home from a big trip and I just like, I couldn't believe it. It was just such an amazing, amazing feeling that offer. Good for you. And you made it happen. You weren't waiting for them to come to you or to another female skydiver. You made that happen. I love that. That's part of it. Yeah, for sure. So tell me more about what you're doing now. You mentioned that you're landing at games and doing some other stuff that, again, is empowering sort of the next generation of female skydivers. So let's talk about that. Yes. One of the things that I do, I am the co-founder and co-captain of the Highlight Pro Skydiving Team. Okay. So that's separate from Red Bull Air Force. It is. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. The Highlight Pro Skydiving Team is an all-women's demonstration jump team. There's 12 jumpers and one rigger on our team. 
And we do demonstration. And sorry, what's a rigger again? Okay, yeah, a rigger is, so she's the person that takes care of our equipment, builds any technical weird equipment that we need to get the jobs done. So we do skydiving jumps into venues in front of big crowds. They're called demonstration jumps. And we have giant flags we're jumping with or giant lines of smoke that are trailing. So all this stuff kind of needs to be built and tailored to our exact needs. So she helps us design and then build those structures. That is super cool. Yeah, that's a rigor. Well, that's a rigor for our team. A rigor generally is someone who packs your reserve parachute. That's the general term in skydiving that uh, what a rig right. is called, but she also does that. But she also, she builds a lot of our equipment and she's really so, so super talented. Yeah, you want a, that person to be someone you can trust. Yes, someone you can trust <laughs> for sure. How did the pandemic affect your work? The pandemic put everything to a halt. I mean, everything just like, instantly got put on pause and we started thinking all right what do we do how do we get through this time yeah so we started doing online classes and seminars and educational stuff we started connecting to our fans whether it was educational stuff or even just like interacting through the different online medias like zoom we just went into that kind of mode we also started replanning and then replanning again. You know, I was like, oh, okay, we got to postpone it again. We got to postpone this again. So there, there was a lot of that going on. Totally. Those are your pivots. Like, you know, a lot of the people that I have on the show have pivoted from one industry to another or one type of job to another. You pretty much have always been doing this, but you have your pandemic pivots. So that's how you qualify. I mean, you have to be nimble in every segment, I think, of your career path. You're always going to have that kind of a challenge. Speaking of which, what kind of advice do you think you can give people trying to land their bucket list career, make it happen, you know, drawing from what you've been through, the good and the bad? I would say you have to roll with the punches. Like I see a lot of people try and get into a career, like some sort of dream bucket list career. But if a couple things don't go their way, they, they completely back out and they shy away which it's fine. If you're going to do that, it's fine. But then, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. You have to really continue through rejections. Keep your mind open. Keep your mind as open as possible so you can continue to learn and grow and really like understand what people need and want. Try and keep that ego in check for sure because that can get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and ultimately, ultimately, you have to be enjoying the journey. Yeah. Because that's what matters, right? If it's just about all I want to do is get a Red Bull sponsorship. And if I don't do that, I've failed. Well, it took me 20 years to get a Red Bull sponsorship. So throughout those 20 years, why would I? spend 20 years just for one goal, you know, but it wasn't about that. It's, oh, it's about every day waking up and getting to do something you love and enjoying that process. That's very true. Right. Because working towards something, obviously that's admirable, right. And to have a goal that you're working towards, but if it's just misery all the way there, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that that seems worth it. Yeah. The days have to give you some joy along the way. And you have to be a bit flexible as well, because 
like if there have been times in my career where I was kind of really fixated on a goal, which it is admirable, like you said, goals, setting goals and reaching those goals is totally admirable. But sometimes if you're too fixated, I think if you're too fixated on one outcome, you really could miss some amazing things that could happen. So I, I've enjoyed being flexible. I think that's been a key part of my success. So how can we follow you online and sort of keep up with what you're doing? I have my personal social media channels, Amy Shemalecki. Um, that's my Instagram. That's my Facebook, my TikTok. So you can check any of those out. You are on TikTok. I have to get on TikTok. I mean, I've been avoiding this and a lot of people are saying that that's a really great place to promote your podcast in a fun way and a little more unfiltered way than just the stuff that you put on Instagram or Facebook. So this is it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it soon. It's not just for like my 18 year old to dance around. (laughs) I want to get get in on that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally with you. I have a TikTok and I'm like, I have... I post on it occasionally, but I got to focus on it more. And the Instagram is generally kind of my jam, but TikTok is fun. And if you want to reach the hearts and minds of young people, which is a big part of what I do, like that's where they are right now. So I'm sure. And I'm sure you do live stuff all the time, right? Yeah. I can't imagine anything more exciting than seeing you like get ready to jump. Amy, this was so much fun. I'm really glad that we did this. And now we get to have Jeff on too and have like sort of a second part of it. You're really very inspiring and super fun and relaxed. And I love everything about your vibe. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. All right, Amy, take care. Always good to have you joining me for the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm Crystal Laurie. Remember, you can DM me with ideas, input, thoughts. Constructive criticism is okay. I'm open to it. It's Krista at bucketlistcareerspodcast.com. But seriously, thank you very much for continuing to be with me on this journey. I'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.